0: Last week, we talked about the power of cash flow and net worth statements, and then their ability to help us see what's really going on in our financial life, to find planning opportunities, and to make better decisions going forward. If you haven't listened to that one yet, you need to stop this one and go back and listen to that one, and then you can catch back up and and see where we're at today. Because today, we're just going to be kind of practical, just give you some pointers on how and when do we make cash flow statements and net worth statements. When, when should we be doing these? And, and, and then how do we actually go about doing this? So first, the when, right? I, I think for most people, I recommend that people do this annually, that we complete a net worth statement and a cash flow statement for the year. And so if you're making a net worth statement, we would make that for December 31st, 2022. And then kind of, hey, what was all of our balances? Where, what were we worth? All Everything that we owed, everything that we owned, what was it all worth? At the end of 2022. And for our cash flow, then of course that statement would be: Hey, what, where, how much money did we make from all of our different sources, and where did it all go for the entire year of January 1st through December 31st, 2022? So I do this annually. And and that's just a great way to pull year end values. You can pull statements, year end statements, monthly statements for that last month of the year. Uh, And you got taxes that are due at the end of the year and all these things. You can have a lot of statements that will be year end that way as far as the cash flow side of it goes. And it's, it's just a great time to do that. And then you can see that year over year, you know, as you start making these one after another, and we talked about a lot about last time about having this each year and seeing the trajectory and the total trends for your cash flow and your net worth, uh, annual is just a great time to do that. So for most people, I would say annually, if you're really passionate about improving your finances and, and, and getting things uh, better, faster than, or you have a very dynamic income, right? And that changes quite a bit if you're a hundred percent commission or if you're, you know, one of these other things, then you may do it as often as quarterly. And you can see kind of, Hey, how did we do in the last three months? And you know, what's changed and how do we need to make adjustments? And so if, if you have a dynamic income, your life changes a lot, or you're just really passionate and you really want to see changes, you could try to do it quarterly But for most people. Just not enough is going to change over the course of three months and you really need to a whole year to see what has happened. Now, of course, if you heard me in other things, like I'm all about quarterly planning and, and making quarterly goals and there's a lot can happen in a quarter in the rest of your life, but finances just don't move that quickly. Net worth doesn't move that fast. Um, and so to do an this work to create these statements, uh, you don't have to do that that often. Unless again, you really passionate, really want to make these things happen. Um, beyond that, right? But your mortgage just doesn't pay down that much in three months. Uh, it does over a course of a year, right? It's cool to see the difference between, hey, we you know our value of our home has increased and we've paid down this amount of our mortgage over the course of a year, and so we've grown our net worth by that amount. That's cool to see over a year, right? We don't want to be looking at our investments very often. We, you know, once a year is a great time to do that. And so you can track a lot of these things just once a year. And if you're trying to do it more often than that, that's where we're gonna use a budget. We'll talk about that next week. So how do we Create then a net worth statement and a cash flow statement. And if you are, I'm gonna say this quick if you're a financial planning client of my firm lacrosse uh, financial planning, then we are going to be doing this for you and with you. And as much as, as much as we can be completing your 2022 statements, we're doing that for you here in January. And then we'll work together to, to finish it off. Um, so if you listen to these live when they air, then you're going to hear about that in, in just a few days and a few weeks here as we send that out to you. Or you may be have gotten this a uh, link to this episode that we sent you when we announced that we're doing uh, network statements. So if this is the first time you're joining us, hi, uh, welcome. We do this every week. Um, and so if, if you're Again, a client of ours, we'll do this for you. And if you're not a client, maybe you should be. Uh, but if you don't want to be, then what we do have for you is some templates to get started, right? And so if you go to retirementship.com slash 97, this is the 97th episode. So all of our episodes, they're all numbered. And you can always go to retirementship.com slash, and then the digits for that episode and i will redirect you to the blog post for the episode. And in that blog post, we've got two sets of Uh, templates for cash flow and net worth. Both of them are, they're, they're Excel spreadsheets and they have one sheet in there for cash flow and one sheet in there for net worth. And we have one for accumulators, people who are still working and still saving up and one for retirees, because that looks different. And we talked about those a little bit last week, but especially, right, you you save a lot less after you retire than before, because you're saving a lot for retirement while you're working. And so obviously that stops when you finally retire. And then instead of saving into it, you're distributing money uh, from from your accounts uh, when you are in retirement and and you're saving into them, obviously, when you're in accumulating. So those they change enough that we have templates for both. But those are Excel spreadsheets, Microsoft Excel spreadsheets. If you don't have a Microsoft Word subscription, if you don't have it through work, you don't have it personally, uh, Google Sheets now can open and edit full uh, X, you know, Excel spreadsheets in Google drive. And so if you've got a Gmail or whatever, you can go to, you know, drive.google.com or whatever it is, and you can just upload it there. And, uh, and then you can edit it right in there. And so you could, anyone can use these, they're free to use the templates are there for free. You don't have to do anything, right? I thought about maybe, maybe reserving this for retired members, but even if you're not a retired member, you can just go click those links in that blog post and it'll just download straight to your computer. Um, and then you can use those. And, So that's gonna be the easiest place to start, is start with a template, you can always change it, you can edit it, it's good to have it kind of be, you know, get it to a point where you want it, and then try to use the same template year over year, so you can see those comparisons better, but this is a good place to start. So for net worth, right? how we do this, and we're gonna start with that template, and we'll get it up here in the video. You might wanna, if you're normally a podcast listener, you might want to stop and jump over to the video, and watch this on YouTube instead. Again, you'll find, the video link right in that uh, retirementship.com slash 97 as well. We're at about uh, six and a half minutes or so into it. So you could switch over to, if you want to jump into the, to the YouTube video at that point, because we'll have it up on the screen. Um, but first you're going to want to get all your, for net worth, you're going to want to get all your year end statements, right? And so if you have retirement statements, 401k statements, brokerage statements, all those, those should all be available by now for ending December 31st. And right in there at the end of that, that period, it should have a, You know a a balance and just grab that balance don't worry about all the data you know the negatives in there if you're looking at a year-end statement for your investments or just grab the balances transfer those over to the template that we have right and so that's a good way to do all that you can do that for all accounts any money that you own you can also do that for debts right you can have a a year-end mortgage statement or something like that or or just if you logged in between when the year ended and then and that january payment then you can see kind of what the balance was at the end of the year there you can grab those Credit cards, loans, any accounts that you have at all, banks, the things you own, or things that you owe, you should be able to grab a statement, get that year-end balance from those, and put them right in the net worth statement. There, um, we also, you know, I use Zillow for home values. A lot of people, you know, just kind of think they know what it is or, or whatever else, and, and Zillow is as is, is good at any better than many. Right? So if you go to Zillow.com, you can find your house. Um, I think it's a pretty good estimate, right? Uh, Some people think their house is worth way more just because they overvalue things that we have. We have a bias towards valuing more what we own than maybe it's worth on the market. Um, Some people, uh, they've done a lot to their home and renovated a lot, and Zillow's not necessarily going to know that or reflect that, and so it really would be worth more than what it says on there. But if you haven't done any of those things or you bought it recently, you know, it's only been a few years and you haven't done too much to it. That's going to be a pretty good place to start. And then each year you can just find the Zillow value of your home and grab that and put it in your your updated net worth statement and see how the value grows over time. And then as your mortgage pays down on the other side, uh, you're going to see that equity increase in your home, which is good to see. Uh, for vehicles, I do like putting vehicles on a net worth statement because they are, big purchases typically, right? We did a few episodes on purchasing vehicles and whether you should own or rent or uh, own or lease, I guess, and all that back in the day. So you can find links to that in the blog post. Um, but it's such a big purchase, right? And they do go down in value. They're not assets, they're they're big expenses, big liabilities that, that we buy, but they are at least worth something when we get them. And even though that, ge- that generally decreases over time, uh, if we have that much going out in our cash flow to get them then we should at least be able to see that on our net worth so it doesn't look as horrible when we make these purchases right and so i get those from kellybluebook.com kbb.com you can go uh you know go on there and check the value of a, your car if you were the kind of person that trades in your car right if you if you get new cars from dealers or even used cars from dealers and you're the type of person that always goes in and just trades in your existing car to the dealer for a trade-in credit towards your new vehicle then use the trade-in value that kbb.com gives you, right? And if you are the kind of person that goes out and sells it on Craigslist or Facebook Marketplace or something like that, and you do those transactions and you sell it that way, then you can use the private party value. But if you're the type of person that, that trades things in, right? and then you say, oh, well, it's worth a lot more if I do a, a, a private party sale than I do a trade-in. So I'm gonna use the private party value, but then you go ahead and trade it in. Well, you didn't get that full value then, right? So, so don't, you know, let's not kid ourselves and, and pretend like we're gonna go sell it next time to private party when we're definitely going to do a trade in and use whatever value you would actually use when you, if you were to sell it this year, right? And so that's a little bit on, on car values. I would do that. There's also a spot on the template for like personal belongings, um, don't overestimate this category, right? Like this would be kind of an estate, like if you had an estate sale, if you both passed away, if you're married and you both passed away and they had to sell everything in your house, like maybe what could they get for it? And it's going to be pennies on the dollar, right? Estate sales are just everything must go. It's all worth nothing. So you could, you could maybe do just a general amount for the total amount of stuff you have in there. Or maybe you've got some collectibles or some of these other things you want to put in there. But some people just choose to put nothing in there at all. And that's totally fine as well. I think cars and, and, you know, if you got, RVs or big toys like those are worth putting on there just because again they are such a huge expense for something that we can get a market value for. Um, but if it's just you know oh well I got all these clothes and they're probably worth twenty thousand dollars no probably not right so don't don't abuse that category as you're uh, putting these things in. So net worth is pretty straightforward. But you can pull out of these things, you can get those statements, and you're just filling everything out on the one side and put it all on the other. If you're the kind of person that that spends money on a credit card just for groceries and all that other stuff and you pay it down right away. You don't necessarily have to, and you don't carry credit card balances, but right? you don't necessarily have to put your credit card balance on there, but make sure that whatever it, whatever you did have at the end of the year that you're at least subtracting that from your banking then at one point, right? So if you actually had you know, twenty two thousand dollars in your checking, but you had $7,000 in credit cards, you can either put both of those in there right $22 and checking in checking and 7000 in credit cards or you can say well nothing on credit cards cuz i'm going to pay that off as soon as it comes due and then subtract your banking by 7000 as well so you do 15000 and 0 right just just make sure that you're not claiming everything that you own and neglecting some of the things that you owe uh when it comes to to doing this so just be be uniform do it the same way do it right as you're as you're putting those in there. we don't want it to be, it's not it's not a it's just for you so we don't want to, we're not trying to warp the numbers and make things look better than they really are because the only one this is for you, is for you to make better decisions. So if you're lying about what's on there or you're, you're, you're construing it to make it look better to yourself, that doesn't do all the things that we need it to do. So this is just for you. Let's make it as accurate as possible. Then for cash flow, we want total gross income on the top there. Uh, and that's that's before taxes, that's before retirement contributions, that's before any of these other, other things. And before any deductions, any taxes, that's the number we want at the top for your earned income or your retirement income. So you're fine, if you're still working your final pay stub of the year is a great place to get that because it should show you, hey, gross, here was your total gross numbers that you were paid year to date as of the last check of the year. You can also grab those from like W-2s or 1099s or other places in the tax return. will have that that information. Um and uh, so those are great places to pull that from. If you're retired, right, then you're going to want your gross social security, your, your gross pensions, your gross IRA amounts that were paid out. Uh, not, the part, not the actual part that hits your, your accounts, that hits your checking account or whatever else, but the gross amounts. We want total income, right? Because we're going to account for the deductions and taxes elsewhere. And so again, 1099s are a great place to get your, your what was actually distributed from your IRA, what was actually distributed from pensions, social security, all that as well. Um, if you have Roth IRAs or HSAs that, that uh, you contribute to, outside of payroll, make sure you grab those numbers. If you distribute from those accounts, make sure you grab those numbers, uh, you know, because they're not going to show up on on your 1040. And so depending on what you have, you may have to hunt in different places to find the legit numbers. again, that's why we don't do this every year, right? The whole process probably takes an hour. And so we're not going to do this, you know, every month or even every quarter. But if you do it once a year, spend one hour once a year to compile all this data, right? then it's going to be very helpful in making good decisions for the entire year. So spend one hour, one day a year, and it'll help you make better decisions for 365 days. And so we'll have all that on the, the income side, right? Everything that we own, both the retiree and or on the accumulator uh, cash flow uh, sheet that we have. And then you want to start adding, hey, what did we save, right? If we knew we saved a certain amount into our 401k, then we want to put the dollar amounts in there. Hey, again, last pay stub is a great place to do that. What was actually subtracted from yours, right? Now what was added from employers, but just what was subtracted from your accounts, the total amount that went into your 401k's. Right? Not, so then it's not just 3% or 10% or 15% or whatever you're putting in there. You can actually see, oh great, I saved $3,000 in my 401k. I saved $20,000 in my 401k. Whatever it is, right? We want to see those gross numbers in the savings column. If you're doing Roth IRAs, HSAs, all those, right? Hey, where are all the places that we saved? If you are retired, where are all the places we distributed from? And and, and where are all uh, uh, contributed to the income that we had there? And then on the other side, we have that tax section on our spreadsheet on our cash flow sheet and and it will do some dirty math for you so if you just have gross numbers in there um it'll sort of kind of give you hey here's you know if you're it, i think it's just set for if you're married finally jointly it'll give you a standard deduction automatically subtract out some iras and 401k stuff or whatever it's 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 totally just a just to give you an idea of what it might look like go actually pull the numbers from your tax return to actually find out what these things are. And then it will show you right on there, hey, how much did we really pay in federal taxes? How much did we really pay in in Social Security and Medicare? How much did we pay in property taxes and state taxes and all these things? And what's the percentage? Of all the money that we have, sometimes it feels like, well, where is it all going? A lot of it is going to taxes, right? And I think when you see that final number and you make X and then you see a huge Y that went to taxes in that same year, you're like, oh, so that's why tax planning is important. Right, because we have so much of this going, how do we make sure that we minimize that over a lifetime? Um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a huge number, and so that's interesting to see. You might just look at me. Like, hmm, isn't that interesting? Um, so that's where you get all the tax stuff. Then has got a place in there for insurance. It's usually kind of a fixed uh, and somewhat boring cost, right? Uh, you know, life insurance, health insurance. Uh, long-term care if you have that. Some of these other ones, it's, you know, property insurance, uh, auto insurance, homeowner's insurance. You can put all those in there just to, again, see how much of of our total income is going to then protecting our assets and our income and some of these other things. And is it too much? It seems like a lot. Maybe we need to go to insurance broker. Maybe we need to go uh, see a fee-only fiduciary financial planner who can evaluate and they can just tell you like, hey, yep, you've got too much insurance here. You're paying too much or I've seen better rates. Let me give you, you know, send you to a good place where they're not just gonna sell you something so they can make bigger commissions, but can get you the right insurance. I mean, you're just not going to know that until you know what the numbers are. It's just a good place to see that when you're doing that, you know, you can get annual statements for like life insurance or, or auto insurance and all that. And those are usually renew like whenever it renews, so maybe you got June 2nd, and so it renews every June 2nd. And so you're not gonna have year end statements for that necessarily. But I think an annual statement does just a good a job of, you know, because they usually don't change too much year over year. Um, And so it'll at least give you an idea of what you paid for. So if you just take the, you know, the September 1st, 2022 uh, auto renewal statement, um, that you should have received at some point just use that number for your 2022 cash flow and then when you get the new one in 2023 use that number for your 2023 cash flow and and so on and it might not perfectly overlap but it'll give you a good idea and then lastly uh you know there's some uh we got so yeah insurance schedule and then there's just some there's some numbers on there right so if you're if you're have yet to retire. It shows you how many years, you know, we can put in the nut, the age you want to retire and it shows how many years you have left. All right. So how many, how much longer do we have to save and to get this where we need to go? If you're already retired, it shows, you know, Hey, this is how long we've been retired. And this is how many years we need this to last for. Right. And I just threw in a number there. You'd have to put in your own, like how how much you expect to live for. Right. But kick it out there. And it can be just a good reminder. Each time you look at it, like, I know the market's down. I know some things seem really bad, but Hey, we, you know, realistically, I could still live another 25, 30 years. And I need this income to last, so let's make sure that we have we're forward-looking on all of uh, these things. And so it's got some percentages on there on our template of of you know savings rates or distribution rates or uh, how much we're paying in taxes and and all these different things. And so all that's just a good helpful amount. And then the last part on there, there's some things for debts. You know how much of our cash flow is going out to pay for the past, right? How much of it's going towards uh, mortgage, some of which is you know, building equity, it's actually paying down the actual balance and some of it's just going to interest. And so we can see all those numbers right in there too and, and make good decisions on that. So again, takes probably an hour to do this, carve an hour, schedule it in your calendar to to pull all this information, get it. If you're a client of ours, we'll be gonna be doing this with you and we'll do as much as we can then we'll send it to you so that you can, you know, see what we have and and fill the rest of the way out if you'd like to. Um, and then uh, you might be asking, you know, if, if cash flow is the past, It tells us where we have been and net worth is is the the present. Where are we at right now? How much do we own? How much do we owe? What tells us about the future? And and how do we we start controlling that a little bit? And and a budget is going to tell you where you're going. Cash flow says where we've been, net worth statement says where we are, and a budget tells us where we're going. And so that's what we want to cover next. We want to say, hey, how do we start controlling this? How do we start making, you know, being in better control of our money, being good stewards of it, and we're going to spend a couple weeks then on budgeting. And if that makes you groan inside, then stop right there. That means you've done it wrong in the past, right? Because people can do budgeting wrong. And it's this horrible nightmare of spreadsheets and all these other things. And there's lots of ways to make it suck. And so if that's, if that's your first impression of budgeting, then wait, come back, listen to the couple episodes we're gonna do on budgeting, and I believe we can change your mind. Because done right, budgeting can be deeply freeing, empowering, and even fun if we do it right. So come back for the next couple of weeks. We're gonna talk about budgeting, and again, just covering all of our bases at the beginning of the year here so we can make 2023 our best financial year ever. We'll see you next week, and have a great week. Cheers. If you enjoyed that, you would love being part of our free membership community. It's called Retire Membership and there's a host of benefits all for free. For example, you can always buy my book, 3D Retirement Income on Amazon. But if you join us at Retire Membership, we will send you either a hard copy or paperback for free, provide the ebook and the audiobook so that you can listen to it if you don't have time to read it. In addition to that, we'll also provide you with a bunch of content that you can't get anywhere else. For example, we have our quarterly retire mentorship magazine, which comes out quarterly and has no ads whatsoever. It's just timely content to help you stay the course. We also have workbooks for our free online workshop to help you get the most out of those flowcharts to help you make better decisions and a weekly email to provide timely content that you can unsubscribe from at any time.